What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Carrera. Going to be joined by Vish Kumar in a second. This is under review. We call it that because usually on Monday, it's a show where we review the game the previous day and talk about everything that happened. Obviously, we don't have that this week because the Niners are playing tonight against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Going to be very excited to preview that. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I always say, if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it on the show. This one comes from GF. Oh, geez, I don't even know how you say this. I apologize. G-F-Y-U-I-O-T. Sorry. I have no idea how to say that, but I appreciate the five-star rating in the review. Way to start the day. As a 49er fan living in Chicago, this podcast gives me all I need to know about my team in a succinct manner. Thank you for breaking everything down and the great insights. Thank you. If you want to support the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. That is the best way for us to move up the charts to get people to discover our show. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone that does. Please continue to do so. We want to be the number one Niners podcast out there. We think we have the best Niners content out there, and we just want that reflected in the charts. All right, I think Vish Kumar is here. Vish, give me a thumbs up if you're ready to go. All right, there he is. Vish is here. What is up, Vish? What's up? How have you been? I'm good. I'm not as good as you. Fresh off your trip to Cabo. You, you pulled yeah, a yeah. Miles Jenahan. You went to Cabo on us. Yeah, I got the invite. You know, Debo and Trent were going, Shanahan and CMC and Jed York. And they, no, they wanted, no, I, I, so me and my friends booked a trip a while back and we went now in the middle of October. Fantastic time to take a vacation, by the way. It's just that you come back and there's still so much going on <laughs> and you were just MIA for five days. So you got to spend time catching up on it. Um, the one thing I will say is, though, that unfortunately Hurricane Norma was, part of the proceedings but mm. fortunately it wasn't too catastrophic at least in the area i was staying everybody was pretty safe and my flight was able to take off on time so i can be right back here to talk football with you uh i missed you i know i missed you too i'm glad you're safe i'm glad everything worked out all right let's get it to into it vish because i have been studying this 49ers a loss like because we haven't had one of these in a while i know the nfc championship game they lost but whatever you didn't really have to study that. They lost all the quarterbacks and the season was over. So this is like a real loss to dive into. And there are three things that happened in that Cleveland game that I want to see rectified tonight against the Vikings. The first, perimeter blocking. It sucked against the Browns. They could not block the edge. They were just getting dominated. They could never turn the corner. It was just terrible all day long. They couldn't run the ball. Worst I've seen from the 49ers, particularly the 49ers wide receivers in a long time. So that's the first thing I want to see better tonight. Second thing, avoid negative plays and situations. Kyle Shanahan pointed it out after the game. Other than the first drive, there was maybe one other drive where they had no negative plays. Other than that, every other drive in the entire game, it was either a penalty or a tackle for a loss or something. They were always behind the sticks. And I you can't do that against anybody, as we saw. And the third thing, the run defense has to show up. Keep the Vikings out of second and short and third and short. Make it hard on them. Let these pass rushers have a chance to get at Kirk Cousins. So those are the three things. Perimeter defense, avoiding negative situations, and the run defense. That's That has to be better. 
I like this. You did your homework today. Yeah, I'm fired up, man. I swear, especially like having to sit around and watch football all day yesterday. And I saw a comment from Patel here and others. I have also Andre Garibay has made it. Uh, other teams made statements around the league. The Eagles, the Chiefs, the Ravens. Let's see the Niners make a statement tonight. Go out, kick the Vikings ass and show everybody. Yeah, we had a loss. It was a speed bump. Guess what? We're still really good. And the road to the Super Bowl is going to come through Santa Clara this year. I think they will. This is a pretty favorable matchup, for, in my opinion. Much more favorable than the Browns. Um, and in terms of your three keys, because I want to touch on that, like how could you put in all of that work and we can't spend time on your three keys? That would be terrible. Okay. So let's spend some time on your three keys. Perimeter blocking, I'm 100% with you. I think that will be improved. I think the Browns were just getting upfield so quickly that sometimes the timing of the blocks were just a little bit off as well for the 49ers. The negative plays, I think it will be better in this game because they're facing a worse defense, but they're facing a defense similar, not in terms of how they play, but similar in terms of how much they blitz. This team plays cover zero as much as I've ever seen any Brian Flores team defense play cover zero, and they did that a lot. And I, I think that they will do that in this game quite often. They'll do it with a lot of from a lot of different looks from a lot of different fronts with a lot of different number of defensive linemen on the field. Shanahan talked about it in the Greg Papa interview that sometimes they do it with three bigs, four bigs and five bigs. Um, but they're going to do it a lot. And sometimes they're going to win. Sometimes they're going to get the 49ers in a tough one, but I, in a tough situation and cause a negative play. I just don't think that they have the talented players that the Browns defense had to do it consistently versus this offense. Um, and then finally, your third key was it's on the screen. Improve, improve run the run defense. defense. I'm 100 percent with you. I don't know that this is the exact test on this run defense. I think Arizona and Cleveland showed a little bit of something that we're not going to see from Minnesota as much. Um, and so I think that's why that particular style of running the football is going to affect the Niners, the pulling and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know that Minnesota does that as much. I don't know that Minnesota has the strength and power in their offensive line that those two offensive lines have shown to have through the first five to six weeks in this year. And so, therefore, I don't know that I think it will be improved, Rob, but I think that particular concern is something we're going to have to monitor next week and the week after that because it might look excellent in today's game, and I don't know that that's necessarily indicative of great improvement. Also, if Dre Greenlaw plays, it'll look a lot better. Yes, it will. He's... Clearly, we've seen he is massively important. They don't have to fix it tonight, Vish. I just want it to be better. I just want it to be not 160 yards on the ground. Like, make Kirk Cousins have to convert third and seven, third and eight, third and long. Let the pass rushers get him because this is the quarterback, right? This is the slow, prodding, can't really move at all quarterback that this defense should eat alive. They should, Bosa better have two sacks tonight. I'd like to see Hargrave get a sack. Like, I need to see it from the D-line tonight. No more excuses. Don't tell me about pressures. I want goddamn sacks tonight. Wow. <sighs> wow, you're fired up. I what, am. What, what happened yesterday? I'm I'm calm, cool, collected. I just had a vacation. I'm feeling good, and I come back to you, and you're like, what happened the last five days, dude? What happened? Roger just says it. Minshew put up 38 on the Browns defense, or 35, whatever it was. Minshew, the backup for the Colts. And I had to watch the hey, 49ers. Minshew was dealing. I was watching that game a little bit on the plane. Minshew was dealing. 
I'm just, I look, I'm not liking this loss thing, Bish. I'm tired of it. I have no taste for it anymore. I went back to my week one apparel. If you're watching on the stream, you can see I got a 49ers t-shirt on. I got my 49ers socks on. I'm going back to the week one. That's what I want to see. I want to see week one Niners. Dominant defense, an offense that can't be stopped. Christian McCaffrey is going to play tonight, which, look, we can, you know, I don't think he should. I think it's crazy. I think it's incredibly risky by the 49ers. You could say, well, the doctor says it can't get any worse. It happened playing football. Of course, playing football could make it worse. Like, just use your head logically. But they are playing him. So, okay, then put up 30. Let's see it tonight, baby. Well, we'll pause. Okay, put up 30. I agree. I think they should put up 30. I think we would like to see them put up 30. But they are going on the road, tough environment, back-to-back games on the road. Let's not act like this is just like, hey, you got to go do that. It's they, it, There's still some stuff to it, and they're going to miss Debo Samuel. They're going to miss Trent Williams, two superstar players. But let's let's talk about this one right here because I, I don't get that one from you, okay? I, I don't understand where you're going with that because here's here's my thing on the injury, okay? Football players play hurt. This idea that just because they're not on the injury report, they're somehow healthy is asinine. By this time, they're all injured. Okay, they're all playing through something. The only reason we're not commenting on right now whether Fred Warner should be playing or not is because we don't know what niggles he's got going on, right? If we knew Fred Warner had this strain, that strain, this, then perhaps you'd be having this conversation. We visibly saw this guy get hurt. Therefore, there was a reporting process that has to do with the gambling stuff and all of that, that we need to know that information. And therefore we're talking about his injury. The second thing is, I don't know his pain threshold. I don't know his pain tolerance. I don't know the severity of the injury. It's hard to go into all of these things and comment about it. I think that the responsible way, in my opinion, and I'm not saying you're looking at an irresponsible way. I'm just talking about in a responsible way from the 49ers standpoint is you have to look from the standpoint, are you making the best decision for the player? If the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey, and the medical staff are all in line that him playing is the best decision for him, then I think that's the right decision. But can we answer that question fairly? We cannot. We don't know. And that's why with stuff like this, I'm like, well, should they do this? Should they not do this? Frankly, I don't know. And that onus, I guess, comes down to the player. If he can play with it, he's got to go play with it. And usually when he plays with it and he plays hurt, we don't, like, then all of a sudden pull punches on criticism if he plays poorly and all of that. They get evaluated on what happens on the field. It's an unfortunate thing about this business, but I think because there's not enough information for us, it just kind of is what it is. And if he plays, then they're taking that risk. They're taking that. And our thing is we have to evaluate him as somebody that's playing healthy. Vish, I totally understand what you're saying about, look, everybody's hurting. Everybody's banged up just because they're not on an injury report. This isn't like Madden, right? Like nobody's health is at 100% clearly. But Christian McCaffrey suffered an injury that was so bad. He was physically incapable of returning or staying in the game last week, right? We know about this one. We know about this one. And I don't care what your injury is, whatever it is, would it feel worse if you got into 25 to 30 car accidents in a three-hour period yes no matter what it is it's going to be worse why not sit him give him at least a week because he's so important fish he is so important to this offense and this team i just think it's crazy that because you know he's not going to go out there and get five touches he's going to get no no he's going to play the full load they're going to treat him like a healthy player that's why i'm saying we also have to treat him like a healthy player 
unless he's Bijan Robinson. Oh, don't get me started on that on my fantasy team. Um, oh, okay. I, but no I just, wonder you're fired up now. Now I got it. I just, I just think it's crazy that they're going to play him, especially with an oblique. Like oblique, oblique injuries are rough, man. They can get definitely get worse. He's going to get twisted and turned. I mean, God, he gets face masks like every friggin' week out there. It seems like I'm just terrified that he's going to go out there and it's going to get worse. And then it's going to be, oh, he's out eight weeks. And then it's like, uh, now we're in deep. Now we're in deep. Yeah, but I, I think that if you're terrified that he's going to get injured, I, that that risk pretty much exists every time he steps on the field, right? And I think we're at, at a situation, even when we talk about this, like, yeah, sure, you would like them to, you know, play to whatever is safest for the player, right? Like, as fans, like, let's let's be honest about something. We would like the impression that the teams are looking out for what's best for the players because we're fans of the team and we're fans of the player. And we want the team and the player to be together singing Kumbaya because that makes us feel good, <laughs> right? right? Right. So we want to believe that they are thinking in the best interest of Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's health. Reality is they're thinking what's best interest of their football team. And Christian McCaffrey should be thinking in what's in the best interest with Christian McCaffrey. The problem I have in terms of being able to make a definitive statement on should he play, should he not play, is I haven't seen how his body has reacted over the last week to the injury. They're the ones that see him in practice. He's the one that gets to feel how it is. If they make that decision that he's playing, then they got to feel like, okay, we got to take this risk. And well, then we'll evaluate you for taking that risk. And that's that's kind of my thing on it. Like, I'm not going to judge and say he should or he shouldn't play. But if there are if there are consequences of him playing this game because he's already injured, of course, I'm going to criticize them for that at that point. But for me, it's kind of a wait and see because I don't know how the injury has progressed over the I'll give you the best example. Do you remember in 2014? At the end of the, I, I think the Niners were two and two and they went to the Rams. Kaepernick threw for like 300 yards. At the end of that game, I think 2013, sorry, Navarro Bowman had a very good game. It, the Joe Staley at the end of that game got his knee buckled on an edge rush. He got bull rushed into the pocket. His knee got buckled. He started yelling, ah, ah, ah. And, and everybody thought Joe Staley seriously hurt his knee. He got right. carted off, right? That looked visibly very serious to us. I think. The what it turned out to be was he had like a grade one MCL strain or something like that. Not the craziest injury. Yeah, he came on the show and was joking about it. Right, right. Something serious. And he said everybody was making fun of how he yelled after the injury when it turned out to be somewhat benign. What ended up happening, what I think is funny, is that he ended up playing the next week, right? And when the visual we got between the last time we saw him on the field and then we saw him playing made us think that that guy should have never played. Like, okay, you dodged a bullet because he didn't get injured more seriously based on how he reacted and how his knee looked at the time of the injury. The problem is we didn't get to see how he felt over the course of the week, and he ended up being fine. And so that's kind of where I stand with Christian McCaffrey as well. We just haven't seen what's happened since when he looked injured when we saw him in the game. And if he feels fine and he feels ready to play, how can we then sit here and say he shouldn't play, they should rest him? What has this team done over the last seven years when it comes to player health and injuries that gives you any confidence that they're making the right decision right now? Well, hey, right? Nick Bosa did, did have a perfect recovery from his ACL with great timing. Yeah, because he did all his own stuff. That's why. Anyway, uh, Heinemann on Twitch. I love this. Kyle Handshake Ivan Drago. Oh, if nice. he dies, 
He does. Well done. That's the comment of the day so far. I appreciate that. Look, obviously, if Christian McCaffrey's out there, I'm going to be cheering for him. I'm going to be praying he stays healthy. I just think it's a crazy, crazy, crazy risk because it's not just about this week and getting through this week healthy too, right? It's about the additional strain and stress that's going to put on his body for every week to come after this. And I just feel like this is a team that you should be able to beat even without Debo. You should, still should be able to beat the Vikings without having to risk Christian McCaffrey. If this was a playoff game, of course, play him. But it's week seven, Vish. It's week this, seven. This is also a really good comment from JC. Um, this is a fair fair assessment because, again, the Debo Arizona game, he he wasn't he was kind of out there as a decoy. He was out there getting cardio a little bit. They didn't really target him. Um, they didn't really use him in the run game. And he was injured the previous week and he ended up playing. And then he came back to his normal amount of targets after. So perhaps maybe CMC is going to be a decoy. No, I don't, I I don't believe this one. If he's on the field, they're going to give him the ball a lot because he's their best player. He's their cheat code. He's everything. It's also, it's a little different as a running back, right? As a wide receiver, you could kind of be a decoy out there. There are plays where Debo could just jog along or whatever and not really take any physical abuse. It's much harder to do that from a running back position. Oh yeah. This True. is a comment I don't agree with. Ark says, CMC going to play. Can't tell that dude what to do. Yes, you can. That's literally Kyle Shanahan's job. He's the coach. He can decide who plays and who doesn't play. He can 100% tell Christian McCaffrey what to do. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, Vish Levin is here watching. Normal broadcast or Manning cast. I'd love to see Rogers interview where he's forced to talk 49ers, but it's a game time, so I won't stray from the normal broadcast. The Manning cast is what you watch when your team is not playing because they don't talk about the game. They're doing their own stupid, goofy thing. No, no Manning cast tonight. I'm watching the actual broadcast. I want information. I don't need to see the chuckle hut that the Manning brothers have going on. It, I actually, I switch based on portions in the game. So if it's a close game, I'm going to, I'm going to tune into the Manning cast because they're going to have more interesting things to say because they're not going to go through the play by play. And that's when they're really watching the game. They're going to talk about, because once the game gets going a little bit and Peyton and Eli start to get a feel of what's happening, they'll start to call out stuff like, Oh, I think they should do this then. And they're very good. They're very accurate. They really know foot. Like they like, of course they know foot. like, but they like really know football. But if the game's not close, if it's the beginning of the game and they're starting their interviews and all of that, then I'm probably going to tune into the broadcast. But I will say the Manning cast also gets some tidbits because the Manning cast does um, get the opportunity, I think, to sit down and do the same coach player interviews that Production the normal meeting. broadcast team does as well. And Peyton and Eli ask, in my opinion, different questions that give you different answers about the football team while Joe and Troy might give you some more conventional information that you hear in every broadcast. It's just more accurate because it's obviously a lot of things changing week to week. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like, you're right. When, when they're talking about the game and they're focused on the game, they can break it down and analyze it. And it's wonderful. I totally agree with you, but they don't do that the whole time because that's not right. That's not the point of the broadcast right. and that, but that's just why I don't, really tune into it for me it's also depending on the guest right like they can get like a ryan fitzpatrick and the three of them were like mm-hmm. a great trio talking about football and all of that and then they'll get like jimmy kimmel like why do i care what jimmy kimmel has to say <laughs> right right like who like why is jimmy kimmel even on here 
Um, the only guest I liked that was like a non-football guy was John McEnroe, but that's really what it is. And then they, I so I was just getting to this. This is a great point from Levin. I oh. want to hear those guys talk about Purdy. I want to hear what they have to say. Well, He's been to the Manning him. Passing Academy. I want to hear what they said about what they thought about him then, too. Don't give Levin any credit for that. How about for fact's sake? We'll give them credit for that. Don't give Levin. I'm also okay. Fine, fine. But he's yeah. talking about Sean Payton. We're talking about P E Y T O N oh, okay. Payton Manning. I don't care. The important thing is we don't give Levin any credit. Um, I'll find out what they say about Brock later at some other point. Give me the the real broadcast. JJ zero zero on Twitch. I'll watch the normal broadcast until the Niners are up three scores and then switch to the Manning broadcast. Yeah, thank you. Please, like, let's have that. Give me the three scores and then maybe I'll consider it. Um, but we got an interesting comment from Andre, our YouTube channel member. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, please consider it. It's less than $3 a month. It's a great way to support the channel. Plus, you get priority comment response, custom emojis, membership badges. I just made some new uh, custom emojis based on some stuff that's happened this year. There's like leaping CMC and stuff. So please check that out. We appreciate all our YouTube channel members. Andre says, no, no Trent Williams. With all that blitzing, which the Vikings blitz a lot, Brock is going to need to get the ball out quick. No Debo. Time for Kittle and Juice to get involved. What will the offense look like tonight, Vish? What, yeah. what do you expect to see from Kyle now that he knows ahead of time, no Debo Samuel and probably no Trent Williams? I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have an enormous game. I think Brandon Ayuk should have an enormous game. I think Byron Murphy's a solid corner. They're going to get a lot of man-to-man coverage. It's a good matchup for Brandon Ayuk, in my opinion. And what they do specifically that's interesting is they play a lot of off coverage when they do blitz zero. So Mm -hmm. they let you catch the ball in front of them and then they come up and tackle you. Um, Essentially the goal sometimes when they're doing blitz zero is just to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands under pressure. Um, And then they're forcing for deflect. They're hoping for deflections and stuff like that to create opportunities. But what that does is it forces Byron Murphy to come up and tackle in space. And Byron Murphy is not good at tackling in space. And Brandon Ayuk, after the catch, is very good at making the first guy miss. To me, this is a game that's tailor-made for Purdy to be able to throw a lot of alert hitches, slants, stuff like that to Brandon Ayuk, you know, five to ten yards within the line of scrimmage. And he should have an opportunity to break something in this game, especially versus Byron Murphy. To me, this is a game that Brandon Ayuk has a big game. I think Kittle will have a big game too, but specifically against the, I think they're going to try to run the ball a lot. They, they, they always have that plan when they're coming off the loss. They always try to shield their quarterback yep. specifically versus the blitz zero and all of that. For me, I, I, I would love to see, or I, I am expecting to see a huge Brandon Ayuk game. Mark Scott 49er says Ayuk has to catch the damn ball a couple of times last week. The old Brandon Ayuk showed up that had a chance to make a big play would have been a tough catch didn't come down with it. He has not been that guy for the most of this year. He's been unbelievable. He's last been terrific. Week, he took a step back last week. Hopefully, I agree with you. He can step it up. They really, really need him. He's he's capable of it, but he's got to actually do it. It's got to go beyond the hypothetical, especially if he wants to be a guy that gets paid. Like, we can't be in, what is this now, year four, and still be saying, like, he he's capable of doing it. I know he hasn't done it yet, but he can do it. He could. If he only got more targets, now's the time, man. Put up or shut up. The, the interest, yeah, <laughs> that was, I, 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 I don't want to go to the next point. That was a bar right there from you. <laughs> but um, 
the interesting thing for me with with it is I think that their game plan is going to be to try and get the ball into space and let these guys go after the catch. But the thing is, the two guys that are the two best players in space for them, obviously besides Christian McCaffrey who's playing in this game, are Debo Samuel. And then Trent Williams is the best blocker in space in the history of the NFL as an offensive lineman. Like once they get that guy out there running, uh, some defensive back is is waking up the next day with some with bruising. no soul. Yeah, with some bruising. He devastates. And so it's interesting to me because like I look at this game and on paper, this matchup is favorable for the Niners in all fronts. But with Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, I, I look at it as a blowout. And they're gonna need a couple of other guys like the Juwan Jennings, the Ray Ray McLeods, the Kittles, obviously, of course. Um, use check, eh, maybe not as much use check. Uh, but they're going to need those guys to step up as well, specifically. But I, I think Mitchell is going to play a bigger role. I think Mason's going to have a bigger role. I think Mitchell's going to catch the ball in this game a little bit more than we've Ooh. seen in the past. And I think Brandon Ayuk is, is, is Brandon Ayuk is going to be the guy. Yeah, he, for for fact's sake, maybe he is. Maybe that's Levin's burner because he's doing great right now. <laughs> I agree, Ronnie Bell. Ah, uh, yes, I would love to see more Ronnie. But every time he plays, I like him more and more. Uh, shout out to. Nate Hawk, one four three, new YouTube channel member. We appreciate it. You get the double fist pump for that. Appreciate it. Oh, you get a fist pump from Bish too. That's yeah. good. Just All right, a little more fake enthusiasm in that one. That's okay. We got to talk about the biggest change that we need to see in the offense vision. That's Brock. He's got to be better. He has to has to be better. And look, this was his first bad game. Every quarterback has bad games. He's going to have more bad games in the future. It is what it is. They're going to be inside. There's not going to be any rain. You're playing an inferior opponent. I don't care that that Debo's not there. Let's see it, Brock. You're so, you you want us to believe that you're a guy that can elevate, right? That doesn't just benefit from the guys around him. That can also elevate the guys around him. Well, you're not at full strength tonight, but it's a team that you should beat. It's on the road. It's a game that you want to win if you want to be the number one seed. I don't want to see passes six feet behind guys. I don't want to see you. Sky mail Christian McCaffrey when he's running open down the sideline. Put it on him. Let's see it, Brock. I need to see it. Okay, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, but I don't know that whatever questions we got from last week's game, I don't know that this week's game answers them because I think this kind of plays into Brock Straits, right? We talked about this on the Monday show, I think, before I went on vacation. And then I briefly on the phone today, the bigger issue for Brock in the Cleveland game was not like, oh, they were pressuring him and he didn't know how to get to his answers or he wasn't mm-hmm. reacting under pressure. It was frankly that I, I said on Monday, it was maybe a little bit harsh that he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, but he, didn't. he was missing throw after throw. That was his bigger issue. He wasn't really panicking under pressure. It wasn't like he was you know, oh, they moved me off of my first read or I got moved off of my spot a little bit and I don't know what to do. He was playing like Brock in terms of being able to make space in the pocket when he had to and all of that. It was just that he was unable to miss or he was unable to make right simple throws. The ball was coming out funny. This game kind of caters to him. They're going to play a lot of blitz zero. I mean, he played this style of defense, his first start or his first time in action versus Miami. He's very good versus the Blitz. He finds his answers versus Blitz Zero. The game is going to be short, and in space, 
He's going to be able to get the ball out to his playmakers. It's going to be very clean. It's going to be a dome. He's going to have much more comfortability playing there because he does not play well, clearly under wet conditions. At least he hasn't played well twice in the wet conditions we've seen. So to be in a lot of ways, it's just going to be a cleaner game for Brock than the last one was. So I think that the way the game will be called, the way it will play out will be a lot easier for him to do what he usually does. But, but I do think that we got a couple of questions about, can he throw the wet ball consistently, especially because weather can be inclement in Philadelphia. If you have to go there in the playoffs and you know, what happens when he is missing the way he's missing? Cause the way he was missing, you can't miss like that in Philadelphia and expect to win. Well, yeah, I think we're looking at it from two different perspectives. I'm looking at it, just get through tonight. Just fix tonight. I, you don't have to answer the question like, you know, going forward, mm-hmm. what what things look like. Like, forget that. I No, just look good tonight. We'll worry about the other stuff as we go. You, Chris, I, I guess I was just saying, I 100% think he's going to look good tonight. How about he, that? Good. I hope so. Chris Maldonado, YouTube channel member, says we need to play pissed, crack some heads. After a long week and watching other teams do what they do, everyone's watching. We need to put everyone on notice. You know, you talked about that interview that Kyle Shanahan did with Greg Papa. The most interesting part of that interview, I didn't have time to grab the clip. I apologize. Papa asked him basically about, you know, coming out after a loss. And Kyle's given this the typical answer of, you know, we, we haven't lost in a long time, and I think we're going to be sharper and blah, 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 all that stuff. He's smiling the whole time in the answer. And I'm not saying he's happy they lost, but I think he knows that there is just a different reaction you have coming off of a loss versus a win. It's different when you don't play well and you win versus not playing well and you lost. And I think he knows that everyone's, it was a wake up call and everyone's just going to be a little sharper tonight, a little more, you know, organized and on it. There were a lot of instances last week where guys didn't know where they should line up. Ray, Ray McLeod. I'm looking at you, Jordan Mason. I'm looking at you. I think they're all going to be on it tonight. And I think that you're going to see the 49ers that we saw earlier in the year, just the wrecking crew go out, punch everybody in the mouth and dominate 49ers. I agree. I agree. And I, I think that the loss is just was just the natural circumstance of they had been winning for so long that everything was just being too good to be true. And in that particular game, like, let's be honest, as much as we talk about the individual elements of the 49ers, there were elements pertaining to the refs and stuff like that that mm-hmm. enabled the loss that those things have gone the Niners way over the past 14, 15, 16 games, you know, when they've been winning, 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 winning. And so... I think that that also existed where, hey, they had some bad luck in that game as well. They had some bad luck with, you know, obviously Brock dropping the ball in a screen that Ray Ray McLeod is probably going to score on, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like just Mm -hmm. little things like that. They had just bad luck that I think it's it was just bound to happen. I mean, I don't necessarily believe in the law of averages, but certainly it seems to exist in sports. Um, And so therefore, yeah. And then in terms of them playing pissed off, I think. I think there is one thing we learned about the 49ers defense um, versus the Browns. They are not physical unless number 57 is setting the physical tone. Yes. They don't hit people the same way they do when number 57 is there. And I think in years past, we missed Greenlaw's physicality, but Aziz was so reckless, similar (laughs) to Greenlaw, that there would still be some level of hitting in those games. But they need Dre Greenlaw um, just because of, 
how physical he is. And to me, that physical tone that he sets, it's not that the 49ers defense was bad, though Shanahan was more critical of them than I think even you and I were in that interview to Papa, but it's that they didn't intimidate a backup quarterback and a team playing with against the 49ers with a backup quarterback the way they usually do. And to me, that's a direct result of them not having the most intimidating guy on their defense, the guy that makes everybody else hit harder, the guy that br- brings their physical tone. They missed that on their offense too in Debo, but I think their offense is still fairly physical and they maintain that physicality through guys like Juwan Jennings and of course Kittle and Juszczyk and Trent Williams and stuff like that. But on defense specifically, I, I don't want to minimize the impact of anybody else, and I don't want to underrate Dre Greenlaw's impact, but there's an intangible impact that goes beyond the X's and O's, beyond all of that, that he has in terms of helping everybody hit, helping everybody feel faster and more physical that they definitely miss. And if we want to feel them intimidating, if we want to feel that presence and that energy, sure, I think Warner can bring it, but it feels different when Greenlaw does. I completely agree with you. We have a tendency to look at Dre Greenlaw as a runner-up sort of, a sidekick, right? Because he's alongside Fred Warner. Dre Greenlaw is one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL. I think he's a top five linebacker in the entire NFL. And so, yeah, they missed him. Uh, Ryan Hamblin asks, do we know if Greenlaw is a go? The answer is no. Matt Mayoko tweeted out a little while ago, no definitive word yet, Andre Greenlaw. Of course, no Debo, no Trent, and Chris McCaffrey will play. You're right. It's different without 57 out there. It, it, it just is. And let's see the 49ers make some people uncomfortable on defense. I definitely feel like they just, I don't know if it's because of Steve Wilkes being up in the booth or whatever, but sometimes they don't have the same juice that they used to have defensively. And you're right, maybe because Aziz is gone and Greenlaw wasn't out there. So guys were not flying around as much. I don't know. But I want to see it, man. I really want to see it because that's when you know this defense is on just on their P's and Q's when they are lighting fools up like they did against the Cowboys. 100%. And by the way, I don't want to make it sound like their run defense issues are because he wasn't there. I I don't think that's the case. I'm just talking about in terms of I think they could have scared P.J. Walker in that game. And P.J. Walker played terrible for the majority of that game, but they never intimidated P.J. Walker. And I think there's that's the difference. They never intimidated the Browns. Like, Like, look, like Dallas, right? When Dre Greenlaw, who did he crack early in that game? Oh, he suplexed Tony Pollard, right? (laughs) When he suplexed Tony Pollard, like, they got scared. (laughs) Right out of the They didn't want to get hit. I I think, and then just that feeling of like, oh, no, here we go again, you know? Yeah. And it's a little different because they have more history with the Cowboys and the Vikings. But, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, King says, Sass, I listened to your crossover podcast with Paul Allen of the Minnesota Vikings. There, He's their radio voice. He kept calling you Statsy. I love it, man. Would you prefer Statsy or Statsy? I, Paul's the only one that could do that, all right? Paul and I go back a long time, and I appreciate Uh-oh. his time. He was awesome. Not really a fan of the Statsy, but he Okay, can Statsy. Yeah. Statsy, keep it down over there. I know. I know. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have even opened you that door. You shouldn't have said that because you know who's going to call you Statsy from now on. 11 is going to go. Yeah, your stat, let's see. Uh, I wanted to get to one other thing real quick, and it didn't have to do with the game. Because I've seen this a lot, and to be honest, I'm tired of seeing it. 49 ways. I've noticed that none of the 49ers content creators are addressing the Jack Hammer situation. No one is denouncing it or saying anything about it. What do you want me to say about the Jack Hammer situation, okay? He did what he did. He had an inappropriate relationship with a student when he was a teacher at some high school or wherever the hell he was. 
None of us knew about it. We know about it now. He's been fired. That's the end of it. Like, what do you want me to say about it? I, I don't understand why people keep bringing this up. Like, we're talking about the 49ers. We don't talk about what 49ers beat writers do in their personal time. So I don't know what you want people to say about it. That's my position. I don't know where you stand, Vish. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to say anything. I, I think you covered it perfectly. It, like, I, none, no, none of us were there. None of us know <laughs> right. what he did. Um, he has to face the consequences for his actions. I'm certainly not going to bring greater attention um, to him or what he did because I don't agree with what he did. And frankly, going and reading some of that stuff was disturbing. Um, and I'm not no sure that we need to continue addressing that. Right. No one is denouncing it. Like, do I have to denounce everything that's illegal? Like, here's a blanket policy for you. If it's illegal, I'm I'm against it. OK, like I, I, we don't have to get into like the specifics of everything. But, yeah, I'm just I'm tired of seeing it in the chat. OK, we all know what happened. I think we can all understand that when we found out, like, you know, none of us are having them on shows now. Right. Like, it's pretty clear where everybody stands. Anyway, we can get back to the game, but I just saw that in the chat like andre says talk about football we do not care about the other garbage exactly and i don't want i don't need to get into a debate with anybody about it it's over with all right i won't be addressing it again because there's there's nothing else to say well said rob okay there you go you can't just nod you we have a podcast here you know like people can't hear you nod fish (laughs) let's get back into this game the whole Kirk Cousins aspect of it. Kyle Shanahan can't play a game against Kirk Cousins without talking about it, without all this stuff. Did you hear him, by the way, in the interview? The moment that question came and he got to relive the entire Kirk draft process, he was drooling. He gave like a two-bit, I don't want to, drooling maybe a little too far disrespectful, but he was like, he gave like a two-minute answer going in depth on like when he studied him and like how he like just fell in love. Like, you know what I mean? He loves him. He will never stop. You never forget your first love, Vish. And he'll never stop loving him. I would like, every time the 49ers play a Kirk Cousins team, do we have to ask Kyle, what did you see when you were scouting Kirk Cousins coming out of Kyle? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares yeah. what Kyle Shady yeah. had thought about Kirk Cousins 50 years ago when he was coming out of Michigan State? Like, forget it. This is the opportunity. One, I feel like for Brock to kind of like, show that like you don't need Kirk Cousins Kyle you've got me and also like I said to start the show I want to see the defense terrorize Kirk Cousins I saw them beat the hell out of him in the playoff game in 2019 there's no reason they shouldn't do that again they've got a just as good of a defense or arguably as good of a defense that's mostly healthy other than Greenlaw it's Nick Bosa's birthday by the way Happy birthday, Nick Bosa. Happy birthday to my son, Thomas, who turns nine today, and my wife. Happy birthday, Thomas. So it's a big birthday day for me. With the biggest being Nick Bosa's, right? Right, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. Yeah, he's 26, which, by the way, feels old to me. When I saw he was 26, I was like, damn, already? (laughs) Dude, I'm not going to lie. Same thoughts. Same thoughts. Same thoughts. Like, I thought he, to me, he was, like, drafted at 21. Shouldn't he be, like, 24 right now? Yeah, like, he, we just got him. What do you mean he's 26? But anyway, let's let's see it tonight, Nick Bosa. How about getting a sack when you're actually blocked on a play? Just, you know, just to switch it up a little bit. You're just, you're coming at everybody today. I am. I am coming at everybody today. I am not happy. This is what happens when the 49ers lose, all right? I get cranky. I get miserable. I had to sit around all week. 
listening to how the 49ers got physically manhandled by the Browns, which they did. I got to had to watch the Eagles whoop up on the Dolphins, which I was hoping Mike McDaniel would do us a solid and give the Eagles another loss. Nope. Turns out when Miami plays anybody that's any good, they get their ass kicked. Seattle tried to give the game away to the Cardinals on Sunday. I mean, my God, they did not want to win that game. At least the Rams lost. Steelers got to do Steelers got their usual Steelers, like 17 good things happened to them to help them win. Not to mention a sketchy call by the officials on a quarterback sneak, which I don't know how that happened. But the the Seahawks should have lost that game. Three turnovers. The Cardinals score zero points off the turnovers. Like terrible job by then. So, yeah, they're just happy to cover this year. My, uh, Arizona. <laughs> right. I'm just cranky. So yeah, that's, you know, I want to see my team go out and kick ass. I keep telling everybody they're the best team in the league. I couldn't say that after last week. I want to be able to say that again. I, I think their defense is going to look more aggressive and come downhill more. Cause if you notice one of the things Shanahan said when Papa asked him about the run defense is he, fe- he said, I felt like we sat in too high mm-hmm. a little too much. And so I think that, perhaps a point of emphasis specifically with the run defense while we're on that topic will be like, I think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive. I think they're going to play a little more single high. I think they're going to come downhill a little bit more because I think that this is something, especially just because of how he talked about it, Rob, in that interview, Mm -hmm. I feel like this was a point of emphasis for them this week. And this has been something they've talked about as a coaching staff and all that, because he had no issues when they had that conversation to come out and say they had 34 rushes and they sucked on third down, that shouldn't be happening. That means they were running the ball way too well on first down and second down. Yep. I didn't think like we were aggressive enough. I thought we sat in too high enough, too much. These were all things he said. So I think this is a point of emphasis for them. Here's my question. Did you not say that during the game? Like, if you noticed that, why didn't you switch it up? Like, what took so long? It- I mean, I feel like while you're in the game, like perhaps they might have switched it up. I, I haven't watched their defense fully from last week because I spent time just watching their offense. And then I went to Cabo not to flex on you, Rob. I went to Cabo. Uh, I forgot when you mentioned it 40 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, do, I, if, do you think Kittle and CMC do this one? Like, hey, Ross Dwelly, I went to Cabo this summer. What did you do? <laughs> right. Probably. No, I would. But um, going back, um, yeah, so I didn't watch their defense as much. And maybe they did make some changes, but I don't know that there was, like, an intent to do that from snap number one. And I think Shanahan was talking about it in terms of, like, there should have been that intent throughout the game. And he felt like maybe they were too passive by sitting in too high and allowing them to run the football. Now, again, it is a little bit different from the standpoint of you don't – why are you sitting in too high against P.J. Walker, right? Right, like challenge PJ Walker to make big throws on the outside, which he did throw a huge honey hole shot on third and ten yesterday to a cover two hole shot. That was like a big time throw. But you know what the weird thing is, sorry to cut you off. Like mm-hmm. against the Cowboys, the Niners came out in man coverage, and they were like, "Yeah, they challenged them, right? They challenged them, right?" And, and that that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting to me because maybe maybe they didn't like the matchup against Amari Cooper. I'm I'm not sure if that's the one guy that really triggered them there. But Jordan Addison, excuse me, K.J. Osborne, that's where the Jordan Addison came from, the K.J. Osborne. <laughs> I, I I don't look like look at those guys and I think, man, Mooney Ward and uh, D'Amador, Lenore. D'Amador Lenore would struggle with those guys. Like, no way. And so perhaps they're going to be more aggressive. But then again, 
if you give Cousins single high, it's a little bit different with how good he is at understanding what the defense is doing and getting the ball out of his hands and controlling the game at the line of scrimmage. So it's a different matchup. I just think they'll be more aggressive against the run in general because Shanahan seemed to make it a point of emphasis in that interview. And also, by the way, tackle. They missed a ton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Browns. The Dre Greenlaw effect. Up, Yeah, that's true because Dre Greenlaw, nobody gets away from him. Uh, Chris Maldonado says, Levin will probably go with Woody and then Statsy. Much love, Rob. All jokes. Happy birthday to your little man. They grow fast. They absolutely do. I can't believe I've been a parent for almost 10 years. It literally blows my mind. Uh, What's the birthday party? Oh, we already did the birthday party on Saturday. We did a bowling birthday. Bowling. Uh, Okay. So he did that. uh, And then he gets to stay up late tonight and watch the 49ers play for a little, you know, normally he'd be in bed, but I'm going to let him watch probably at least the first quarter tonight. He is all pumped up for that. We got the 49ers colored balloons, the red and gold. He's all about it tonight. So... That's awesome because it just brings back memories. For me, ninth birthday party was laser tag. Went to Chaser's laser tag. Solid. Invited about 14 of my friends. Yes. Got to play laser tag. And then the birth, you know, the birthday boy always gets a couple of wins. So I thought it was a future laser tag champion. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, it was laser tag. And then the staying up late one, my parents never let me get that one. But you know what would happen for night football games when I was a kid? So I would go to bed and my dad's thing for him to go to bed, for me to go to bed is the next morning when he, when I would wake up, the only way he would get me out of bed and get me to brush my teeth is he would tell me everything from a play-by-play standpoint that happened in, in, in the football game. And now that I can stay up and watch the games myself, I'm not going to lie. I, I miss my dad's play-by-play from me going from my bedroom to the bathroom to the end of me brushing my teeth, he will go through every single detail of what exactly happened, how the past looked, all of it. He was very descriptive. Good memories. And yes, you do grow up fast because because look at me. I'm 23 and I'm already reminiscing on those memories. Yes, Rob, <laughs> I did mention I was 23 just to make you feel old after you took that shot at Nick Bosa. <sighs> yeah, well, it's mission accomplished. What can I say? It's so funny, though, because that's what my son does whenever the Niners play in prime time. The first thing he does when he gets out of bed, before he eats breakfast, before he gets dressed, anything, go down on YouTube and Google, you know, the 49ers highlights and watch. Like, literally first thing. So he, he doesn't need dad to do it. Now he's got better technology, apparently. Right. That's a really cool memory. Because before, if you remember, now they the NFL YouTube puts up the a great, like, 12-minute highlight yes. of the full game. But before, you used to get that one game day highlight segment on NFL Network with Rich, Michael, Mooch, Marshall Falk, Dion. Mm-hmm. And um, they would show the game for, like, in it was in the Niners at that time, they would show for literally like 30 seconds on that show. Right. They would talk about them for literally like a minute. And that highlight would get put on NFL.com. It would be like three plays from the game. It would be like a sports center segment. <laughs> oh, wait. So you, right. And so you would really get nothing from that. And they would put a few big plays on NFL.com and that would be it. So he's lucky. I'll tell you that technology oh. makes it a lot better. Yeah, seriously, what a time to be alive, as the kids say. Talking Head says that the Niners more inclined to make a trade if they lose tonight that they perhaps wouldn't have made otherwise wide receiver running back another pass rusher. So the trade deadline is Halloween, um, which I believe is a Tuesday, next Tuesday, right? If I, uh, yeah, the 31st is a Tuesday. I think they're going to do something. I don't know that it's going to be, you know, a Christian McCaffrey level deal, but I think they're going to make some sort of move if they make it for a wide receiver, that tells me that they're really scared about Debo missing time. 
Because otherwise, like, I don't know that you need to add another offensive weapon for this team. I really don't think that's the, the route you go, assuming Debo is healthy. Yeah, and the great thing about their wide receiver room is the versatility it provides. So if they add a wide receiver, I don't think they'll be adding anybody that's like a big name. They'll be adding somebody to play a specific role, right? Like Ray Ray is the backup smaller gadget guy who also returns kicks, who also can somewhat do some of the receiver stuff. Juwan plays in the slot. He's probably their best um, in terms of like isolation, return routes, and like ins and outs in terms of like third and two, third and four, that package, all of that. You know, Brandon Ayuk is obviously their ex receiver. Debo is there, line up everywhere, do everything. So everybody has a role on this offense. Um, so I would think that adding a receiver would be depth in that way. Um, running back, I, I don't expect them to add one, Rob. I just think part of the usage is. I, I mean, I've been talking about it for years and then Shanahan or not for two years and Shanahan talked about it or one year and a half and Shanahan talked about it in the Greg Papa interview that it's not that Mason doesn't run the ball well or Elijah Mitchell doesn't run the ball well. They need to be able to trust those guys to be able to execute all the pass game assignments that Christian McCaffrey does. And so I don't know that they can integrate a running back from mid-year that's to who would pass both of those guys. Go ahead. But. Elijah Mitchell is not new to this system. Jordan Mason is not new to this system. If they can't execute the the passing protection stuff, like that's on the coaches. Why can't you get these guys ready? What is the big problem here? How much longer do you need? Why do you have guys on this team that suddenly don't know what the pass protection rules are? If they can't do it, get them off the team. Like I'm, you can't have He's a young people- player, Rob. Sometimes you have protection busts. We talked about this last week, right? They just don't have time to let him make a mistake. When he makes a mistake, he gets pulled. He gets four carries a game because he's playing behind the best running back in the NFL. But he's running the ball exceptionally effectively. He's a very talented player. Like, when we see him run the ball, there's something a little bit more to Jordan Mason than your third-string running back on a team, right? He runs the ball a lot better than that. Jordan Mitchell's a starter. Jordan Mason had nothing to do but study the pass protection rules, right? He was buried on the depth chart last year. Elijah Mitchell's been with the team since 2021. He doesn't well, know Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell does it fine. He's just all hurt. He's just hurt. I, I just get these guys ready. I'm tired of having guys on the roster that, well, we can't do anything when they're in because they don't really know what the hell they're supposed to be doing. Get them up to speed or get them the hell out. Christian McCaffrey learned how this offense, he changed the tires on a moving car. Okay. It can be done. Hey, well, 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 they, well, they did that with Trey Lance. They got him out. They didn't get him up to speed. Well, they, at least they did something, right? Like, they didn't say, well, we can't put Trey Lance in because he doesn't know the system. At least they have someone that they think knows the system. I just, I don't like this whole, like, we've got to play an injured Christian McCaffrey all the time because none of our other running backs know what the hell they're doing. Like, that's not a viable, that's on you, is my point. That's on you if they don't know no, what they're doing. but know what they're doing is harsh, right? It's just that you trust Christian McCaffrey to be able to do those things. And right now, you can't fully trust that Jordan Mason will be 100% there doing those things. Then that's Once on you. He- yeah, and he's going to build that trust, I feel like. He's moving himself in the right direction. Definitely the way he runs the ball. I mean, should the guy not get a couple more carries? Like, he Look, runs I love the him well. as a running though. I would like to see him play more. But if their excuse for not doing it is that they can't trust him to do the other stuff, it's their responsibility to get him that, to the that, that, You are correct. Fair enough. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says, watching how the Eagles rotate Galladay and Swift, it seems to keep them fresh. Can somebody show that film to Kyle Shanahan? Kyle is not a rotate-the-running-backs type of guy. 
It's just, he's not. Uh, I, I wish he would be, but I think at this point, it's pretty well established. He likes those workhorse type running backs. Yeah, I think the Eagles, this is a organizational philosophy with running backs. This is not a Nick Sirianni thing or a system thing or within their offense, right? They've been doing this with Howie Roseman analytically for a while. I think the year they won the Super Bowl, was it Corey Clement, Jay Ajayi, and LeGarrette yeah. Blunt? That were their three backs? So, it was definitely a stable, yeah. Yeah, so they've been doing this exact thing for a while and getting a uber offensive line coaching up their offensive line really well. And then having a like DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift is not a good, great running back. He's running through the parting of the Red Sea every single time he runs the ball. And then it's like, Oh, DeAndre Swift ran for 18 yards. He ran for 200 yards. Like <laughs> Rob Guerrero would have run for 100 behind that. Yeah. I have a fumbling problem though. turns out when a guy snaps me in half, when he tackles me, I tend to drop the football. Uh, Rob, that's you a- your shoulder. You're running over. <laughs> Yeah, right. Dazzo0187 says, do the 49ers regret paying Debo Samuel? He's 54th in the league in receiving yards with one touchdown, 95 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's being paid 1.15 million average per year, less than AJ Brown. I don't know that they regret the deal because I think they know what they were getting in Debo Samuel, but I do think there's a reason that contract was only three years. Yeah, I don't know that they regret the deal, but it's quite simply right now, he has not lived up to that deal. Mm-hmm. He, did, he had a self-admitted terrible season last year, and this year he's had a solid season, but he's gotten hurt twice. One, that he didn't miss a game, but he was essentially playing the game, but not as involved as Debo Samuel is when he's healthy in a game. And then now he's hurt where he's going to miss two games and he'll be reevaluated after that. That's not what they paid for. Um, the reality is they might not regret it because they might feel like he does something so worth it for their offense that they cannot replace that because he's a very talented player. But when you pay him that much money, it's for him to be available and for him to be paying his best. And he has done neither in the last year and a half. I completely agree with you. And he hasn't improved his route running either, by the way, because CJ Gardner Johnson's right. He can't run routes and he probably could cover Debo because who can't cover Debo as a wide receiver. Show me the defensive back that Debo Samuel has cooked as a route runner, please. I'm still waiting for that. You and I are going to have to watch some film together later. Uh-oh. Well, if you've got somebody, please say it. Like, I, I mean, there, there is a few. I mean, just go back and watch the Giants game. I got apparently. Jackson, good player. And Debo burned him on a route. Yeah. Well, what do you mean by burning him? You want him to break the guy's ankles, make him fall over, and create like 80 yards of separation? When we watch Brandon Ayuk, is there any question that Brandon Ayuk can run routes? That, that's Brandon Ayuk's skill. Do I, when we watch Brandon Ayuk, do I say I want to see Brandon Ayuk run three guys over, break four tackles, and turn a four yard gain into a 95 yard touchdown? No, but he can still catch the ball and get open. Debo can't do any of that other stuff unless he gets open and catches the ball. And the problem is he can't he get himself it. open. He does it. He just wins very differently. He wins based on his explosive ability and his ability to use his body to create leverage. That's why he wins on these kind of rounded in routes and stuff like that, because he's just able to get leverage, and then he's really fast when the ball's in the air, and he goes and snatches the ball, and he aggressively tracks it in the air. But in terms of being precise with his routes, I mean, no, he rounds him out. He takes a couple too many steps. That's not his game. That's not what he's here for. That's (laughs) supposed to be Brandon Ayuk's game. That's 
fixable stuff. All that takes is repetition. And yeah, effort. but they knew they they knew everything about that. And he's still, I think he's a better route runner that he gets way credit for because I think some of these technical things he's still fairly effective in my opinion. But 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 I like I I they knew all of this when they paid him. It's not oh, like they paid him saying like, oh, Debo Samuel is going to now become Jerry Rice running routes out there. Right. No, I agree. When you give somebody that contract, you have to assume that they are going to be who they always have been. Like, I think that's fair. But I also think when you sign that contract, you personally have responsibility to take your game to the next level. Like they've talked about it this year with Nick Bosa, how he kind of feels more pressure. Fred Warner talked about it after yeah. he signed his big deal. He felt pressure to kind of do more out there. And I do think you have responsibility to do that for sure. I don't think we've seen it with Debo. He's hurt now. He's at least going to miss two games. I think he's going to miss more because it's still a fractured shoulder, but we'll see uh, after the bye week, they're going to reevaluate another comment from Da. Oh, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, no, I was going to say you're absolutely right about that. And I think that's where he just hasn't lived up to the contract. And Warner had the one kind of downish year that wasn't really a down year. And then he followed it up by being even better the year after Bosa. We'll see so far. He's had a downish year by Nick Bosa's really lofty standards. Mm-hmm. But I, I fully would expect Nick Bosa, whatever happens this year, next year with the full offseason to come back and be the same exact thing. And that's where Debo, to me, has been a little bit disappointing because he supposedly did all of that this offseason. And again, part of paying him is injuries are unfortunate, but you want Debo Samuel to be healthy. That's part of why you're paying him. And if he's not healthy, he's not living up to the contract, unfortunately. It's not a criticism. It's a reality. I'm not blaming him for getting hurt. He got hurt. But when he gets hurt, he doesn't live up to his contract, unfortunately. And it seems to be the case right now, a year and a half into it. Now we'll see. We'll see how he finishes the year. We'll see how he comes back from this injury. We'll see how he does in the playoffs. But for sure, he hasn't lived up to the contract, right? I would completely agree with you. Daza says Mason is averaging 5.6 yards per carry with two touchdowns. Yeah, the running is not the problem with Jordan Mason. Close quarter says Debo isn't a bad route runner. He's just not known for it. He gets open all the time. What the F are you people questioning him just because of Gardner smack talk? No, I would have questioned it before Gardner, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson ever opened his mouth. He gets open all the time because Kyle schemes him open. And most of the time he's running like two yards past the line of scrimmage and he's doing a drag or a slant. That's when Debo gets open. Like, can we be honest about this? Let's be- he runs like three routes. I mean, he runs he runs more than three routes, but you can be effective running three routes if you can sell three routes really, really well lining up from one spot. I don't know that there needs to be this expansive you run all of these kinds of routes. I mean, they make up the primary a fair bit. Him, I mean, I would say him, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, those three guys, every play the 49ers install, one of those three guys is the primary read. Yep, and they should so, be. Yeah, but, but I'm saying like he, so they do put him in a lot of more favorable looks to run routes into, but he still gets open on those routes to make him the primary read. That's where, you know, the other guy who's still looking a little as good, but you know, maybe he's lying a little bit on why he's not getting the ball as much. Yes. He's staying in the block, but it's not why he's not getting the ball as much. He's just read number three, read number four on a lot of these plays at their offense, or at least that's how it looks based on how the quarterback is playing through the progression. You never know. You never know how they're coaching it, how they're teaching it, but it seems that way right now. Uh, on the Kittle thing, I'm trying to see if I can pull it up real quick. Rich Madrid had a couple of stats about the Kittle pass blocking thing, because I think that. Oh, are there actually? 
he he had it. I'm trying to see if I could find it. And I apologize for not having this ahead of time. Now it's kind of buried because he's been tweeting about all the action that we saw. But basically the point from Rich was that George Kittle is not running or is not pass blocking nearly as much as people think he is. We just assume that when if he's not getting the ball, he's pass blocking. When in reality, he's either not getting open or he is getting open and they're not throwing it to him. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I agree. He is pass blocking more. He is pass blocking more. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much it. But that's what I'm saying. I think they're not throwing it to him because from the way, from my standpoint of watching it, it feels like he's just later in the progression. And the quarterback is looking elsewhere first. And that elsewhere is usually one of those three guys. You mentioned it. I want to see George Kittle get the damn ball more tonight, especially with Christian McCaffrey less than 100%, with no Debo Samuel. Perfect opportunity to take George Kittle out of the packaging. Forget forget pass blocking. Give him the ball short and let him run. That's what he does anyway, right? Like that's really when he's at his best. He's another guy that's not necessarily a great route runner, but you get him the ball. The first guy is never tackling George Kittle. I don't know that I've ever seen it happen. I, unless I he, think George Kittle's a very good route runner. I don't know if I'd take that slight. I don't think he's that great. I'm not saying he's bad at it, but like he's no Travis Kelsey. I'll tell you that. It's not even nobody. Close. Come on. Nobody moves like that in the tight end position in the history of the NFL. He's not even close to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey like never has a bad game. He, Travis Kelsey never has like three catches for 30 yards. Like, no, no, that never happens to Travis Kelsey. George Kittle lives in the three catches for 30 yards. Other than like the one to three games a year he has where he absolutely blows up and is incredible. Produ- production, production wise, absolutely. Like you are a hundred percent correct, but I don't think Kittle's issue. Uh, what I'm basically saying is I don't think Kittle's issues are individual. I just think that they feel that there are better players in this offense than him right now. And they prioritize getting those players, the ball and not him. And it's not that he's chipping. I, I don't feel like he's been chipping that much more. He's chipping maybe a couple times in a game, but I don't feel like they chip as much as we nearly think they chip. They didn't chip TJ Watt as much as we thought they would chip. Um, so yeah, I, I, what, what happened? Sorry. Sorry. I'm trying to, I was just throwing Kittle stats up on the year. I put the wrong window up for a second, but there they are. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they chip nearly as much. I, I, it's not that he's staying into blocking as much as people think though. He is doing it a little bit more. It's just that I feel like they're prioritizing getting other people the ball. Well then, why are they paying him like the the they, way they, uh, they do? They pay they pay Debo more. They pay CMC more. That's my they point. Pay- my point is like at one point you thought this guy was worthy of this contract. Now you're saying he's not. He can't even be one of the top what three options? Like, dude, he's the me- fourth option on an offense with three players who have been or three different guys who have been first team All Pro and another guy who's ascending more than the and while the other two guys are probably declining. Don't put Trent Williams in the all pro thing. That's so, that sounds so. Well, it's Kittle, CMC, and Debo. Right. Kittle's been the all pro, not Ayuk. Right. But Kittle's declining and Ayuk's ascending. Kittle has. I also think he's a little bit banged up still. He's always hurt coming into the year. I think it takes some time. He's got two games this year with more than 50 yards, really, two games with more than 30 yards. Like, by the way, I think today, if there was a game for him, have you seen Minnesota's linebacking core? Great. Let's see it. I'm dude. How many times have I talked about wanting to see Kittle as a receiver, how good he is as a receiver, how good he is with the ball in his hands, how blocking is the second best thing he does. But again, 
I got to see it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night for a good night, George Kittle. Good. On National Tight Ends Day. If I got to hear one more time that it's National Tight oh, Ends Oh, gosh. Day. With Gronk, that Fox skit was terrible, dude. Hey, guys, it's National Tight Ends Day. Confetti boom. I, I didn't see it, but it sounds terrible. That was terrible. Daza says, yeah, we're paying Kittle more than Kelsey. Can we just not invest in a right tackle? Even Mark Andrews went off yesterday. National Tight Ends Day is simply just a fraternity. It's a stupid thing. It's not even a real thing. George Kittle just said it like as a fun thing, and then it turned into a good thing. I feel like George Kittle, the marketing person, is like surpassing George Genius. Kittle football player. Genius. Yeah. Genius level marketer. He is the best in terms of business, what he's done since he's come into the league. It's one of the most underrated things. And yep. he does it in such a subtle way because he's playing this beautiful, hey, I'm George Kittle. I'm a character, whatever, right? And everybody loves it. Everybody loves the WWE guy. And he's just made a full brand off of being the yes. like He watched Gronk do his thing. And he took it to a much shrewder, much more business level and created an entire brand out of it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And whenever he gets done, he's going to be, whether he goes into wrestling or whether he just becomes an analyst, like George has done an awesome job at that. Again, keep in mind, this is a guy who's really smart. He's really smart. He's really smart. That All I got to say is I feel like he's really smart and I feel like people don't realize how smart he is. He's really smart. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, I just like to see what he's doing be, you know, actual football. I don't want to, I would rather see George Kittle, George Kittle catch an eight yard pass than George Kittle block for a run that gains eight yards. I'm sorry, I would. I I agree. I agree. I still I think this will be a Brandon Ayuk heavy game. But I mean, yes, it's always nice to see George Kittle go off um, and he should be up. He should be up the uh, list in terms of op- passing options now. Nine He's got to be talking about you, Rob. I, I feel like you have been. Niner Gang says you guys are full of haterade today. Bad weekend. No, I love this team. This team is full of good players. I want to see them use their good players. I want to see their good players produce. I have said all year, when the Niners play their best, there is nobody that can touch them. I don't think there is anybody else in the league that can touch them. They didn't play their best last week. They didn't play anywhere close to their best last week. I'd like to see them at least get way closer to that tonight than they have. And I, I think they can. I'm picking them to win the game against the Vikings. They should win the game. But if you're asking me if I'm frustrated by certain things, then yes, I am. Yeah, okay. I'm, all jokes aside, I will say I, I don't really get the hater label. You, we've talked about this. I've mentioned it. I don't get the hater label. The one thing I can say about you is that you're passionate. And that passion is authentic. And I feel like sometimes people are a little upset if you're not fully positive but you're not being fully positive to hate or being anything like that. You're being authentically passionate about a team you love. And I feel like a lot of other people, when they watch the game, display the same passion, the same frustrations as you. They're just not doing it into a platform and as a mic. And so sometimes I find it hypocritical when they're like, oh, Rob's a hater, blah, 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 blah. I promise if we sat in the, if we sat in the living room and watched the game, there's only one person in that living room that's going to sit there and watch the game quietly. <laughs> it's not going to be me. It's going to be me. Oh, dude, I am up in yeah. front of the TV and like the stand, like the, the three point, like, st- like I am, I am all over the place when they play last week, when things started going well, I started freaking out. I ran down, down here to my basement. I was like, I got to change the juju. And then Lenore immediately picked off PJ Walker. And I was like, Holy crap, it's working. Here we go. Didn't quite complete the deal, but, um, Dude, yeah, I I used to do all that stuff, 
And then once I had to start talking about this, then it just, I, it's just like, like, it's like taking an exam for me now when I'm watching the game. I'm just trying to gather as much information as possible. And so, like, I feel like, for example, yesterday or last show, right? I was the really passionate one and upset one and angry one because I spent the full day watching all the games and specifically that game with such a focus on it. I hadn't fully been able to, like, get my emotions going. And then I woke up Monday morning. I was freaking pissed off, man. Yeah. Like, what the hell? The Niners just lost to the Browns. I'm mad. And so I came into the show and I was, like, a little bit more upset, a little more passionate there. But for sure, I, I feel like we all have that. And some of this haterade stuff is simply just, we really love this football team, man. Maybe too much. Maybe in an unhealthy way. But that passion <laughs> is resonating. It's equal. It's everything that we share in common as fans when we watch this team one last point i want to get to quickly uh fish and chip says jalen moore discuss that does scare me a little bit fish because the drop off from trent williams to jalen moore is big the only thing that gives me some comfort is at least we know ahead of time and when kyle knows ahead of time what the situation is i feel like he can usually do his best to mitigate the impact of that 100 percent. you're absolutely right it is an absolute worry the right side of their offensive line is always going to be a little worried. The Vikings do have good pass rushers. Davenport's a good player. Daniel Hunter's a stud. Um, but again, I feel like the ball is just going to come out of Brock Purdy's hands so quick in this game. Everything is just going to be short. Everything's going to be about creating space. Everything's going to be about yards after the catch and forcing these corners to tackle. That I, I think that, there, like you said, there will be a full plan to mitigate this effect. The The... If the Niners play their perfect game on, on offense, the kind of game that they want to play on offense, we won't hear Jalen Moore's name. And it won't be because Jalen right. Moore had a fantastic game. It'll be because they won't even allow the game to be affected by him. And we have the quarterback to do it, right? Brock's strength is reading the coverage ahead of time, knowing where to go with the ball ahead of time, and getting it out to the open guy as fast as possible. Dude, did he I... My bad. I said some. Mar I said Marcus Davenport, didn't I? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, he's hurt right now. Who's the Who's the other guy? Is it Anumada? One not? of the guys from the Saints. Well, Anumada Davenport. Which one? I don't know. Davenport okay, is on fine. IR. I think. Okay, fair enough. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just was a little off on my Vikings knowledge there. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, no haters, just dudes that invest way too much emotion, Jay Cruz says, into a game we have no control over. My wife hates football season because I'm a madman during 49er games. When we win, she knows it will be a good week. Look, I I get it. Sports is the toy department of life. I fully understand that. I fully understand that my life really doesn't change that much, regardless of what happens with the 49ers. I don't care. I can't help it. This is how I feel. And honestly, I feel bad for people that don't have something in their life as much as I love the 49ers, like I talk to my wife all the time. Like, how do you, how do you not have anything? Like, what do you like? For example, every spring I look forward to the draft, right? And I look forward to NFL free agency in March. Then we go through the summer and I look forward to training camp. And in the winter, I look forward to the, the season starting again. That's how I like mark my years as we go through. And it's like, I don't, I feel bad for people that don't have something to constantly look forward to like that. That's, Really interesting because I agree with Jay Cruz's perspective, but the, I, that's a unique way to look at it. You're right. 
Um, because my life is the same exact way. It, it even goes further, right? Like every week, all that work, everything is completed so that I can get to Sunday and whatever happens, I can sit my ass on that couch, not get up and have the best day. I don't need anybody to talk to me. I don't need anybody to text me. I don't need to be contacted by anybody. I can just watch as many games as possible, see everything that's happened, take it all in, enjoy it. in my free time. That's what I think about. You're right. It is interesting because as it is a little crazy. But it, it drives oh, yeah. my life. That it gives me drive. It gives me passion. Like I, I love this football team. I love them. It's it's illogical. I completely am willing to admit it. But this is where I am. I, I couldn't stop caring if I tried. It's not within me. How many times have you done that? I've done that a few times. When I was a kid, I used to do that a lot. My immediate complaint when the Niners would lose to my dad is, I'm only a Niners fan because of you. You did this to me. I'm going to go become a Patriots fan. Oh, boy. And yep. he would be like, okay, go become a Patriots fan. I didn't make you be a Niners fan. To like maybe 30 minutes later, go back to like, why did they do this in this game? Why did they make this move? The Niners suck. The Niners this. The Niners that. Just yapping, yapping, yapping. Because I can't help it. You're right. Can't let it go. Blip Bleep says, fingers crossed for Moody's leg tonight. I think Jake Moody's going to be fine. I hope he's going to be fine, but we'll have to see. And I have to get to this. JoeCal64, you might follow the Niners, but you're not a fan. Rob is obnoxious with these takes that are based on feelings. The Niners offense is not underperforming. They had a game against the number one defense. Joe, all due respect, you don't know what you're talking about, okay? Shut up. I'm so sick and tired of these bootlickers accusing me of not being a 49ers fan when I've been here for 33 years loving this team, okay? I have freaking scrapbooks at my mom's house of me cutting 49ers articles out of the newspaper and pasting them into a goddamn scrapbook. Okay. When I was nine years old, this, this picture right here, this is Jerry Rice. Okay. It's autographed. Why? Because I sent Jerry Rice a football card when I was 10 years old and asked him to sign it because I love this team, okay? And I have been cheering for them my entire life. I am so sick and tired of people accusing me of not being a 49ers fan because they don't like what I have to say about it. If you disagree with me, that's fine. Great, I like when people disagree with me. But the idea that I'm not a fan because I say things that aren't all positive all the time about the 49ers is garbage. All right. And I'm really sick and freaking tired of it. You can love this team and criticize them. Those two things can coexist in the real goddamn world. I agree with you. That was awesome. Take a deep breath, buddy. But I'll just point out that the, the first statement and the, the sec first statement, the first sentence and the second sentence is somewhat oxymoronic because he says your takes are based on your feelings but then you're not a fan. But if you're not a fan, why would your takes be based on feelings? Right. You have no feeling. You're not a fan. I'm sorry. I just, I don't like to yell at people like that, but it's just, it's so frustrating to be accused of not liking this. Like, do you know how much of my life I devote to this team doing this job every single day? It's a lot of freaking work. All right. We've got over 400 videos on YouTube. Almost a million views on YouTube. Like it takes time. It takes effort. I miss stuff with my friends. I miss stuff with my family. I do it because I love this team. And so stop accusing me of not passing some sort of loyalty test. I'm tired of it. Rob, I believe in your fandom, buddy. 
<sighs> Thank you. Daza says, as a Niner fan, Boyd and Sydney for 20 years is just frustrating. We seem to be so close, but can't win the big one. I think it's going to change this year. I really do. They have the team that can win the Super Bowl. Absolutely, they do. Whether they do, we'll find out, but they have the talent. It's clear. I I agree. I agree. I, I feel like this year feels right. It feels like they have the team. Now they've gotten through a couple of speed bumps. Every team goes through adversity. The last couple of Super Bowl teams, right? We didn't even know by like remember the adversity the Rams went through. They started what seven and one, six and one, seven and two, and then they lost two straight, including the one at San Francisco on Monday night after trading for Odell and yep. all of that. And then they re put themselves together the second half of the year and came in strong to the playoffs. Year before that, the Bucks went through a lull. The Chiefs in 2019, Mahomes cracked his kneecap, dislocated it. They went through a lull. Yeah. So there's speed bumps in every single NFL season. This is the first one for this 49ers team face that this 49ers team is facing. We will see how they respond. We expect them to respond strongly because we believe they are that good of a team. But even then, for them, it, even if they don't respond accurately this week, there's still time for them to put this together. Every team goes through these ups and downs. But can you respond to adversity mm -hmm. is the question. Um, and right now the Niners are getting adversity. It's not just the adversity of, hey, they lost to the Browns. It's your all-pro wide receiver has got a cracked shoulder, and we don't know when he's going to be back. You're going to reevaluate it. You know he's missing two games. Your best player on your team is got a sprained ankle, and he's missing this week for sure. Your other best player on your team, who might be the MVP of football, he's dealing with an injury, and he's planning to play hurt. So you're dealing with a few things as a football team that's affecting you when three of your best players are hurt. We'll see how they respond to it. That's exactly it. We all want to see how they respond. They haven't had a loss to respond to, especially a week later since losing to the Chiefs uh, on October 23rd, actually, last year was that was the last time. And we will see it tonight. Remember, everybody, after the game, Levin Black and I will be live here on the YouTube page, on Facebook, on Twitch. Instant reaction show. We'll go over everything that happens. We'll take your questions, your comments. We'll rehash it all. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun because I think the Niners that we know and love are going to be back tonight. And we hope you join us for that. Continue to rate, review, and follow the Niner, Gold Standard Niners podcast. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you hit the little bell, you'll know right when we go live. We go live every single weekday. And like and subscribe to Vish's YouTube channel. Just search Vish Kumaran. It comes right up. It'll make you a better, smarter football fan. Vish, enjoy the game tonight. Prepare for 10,000 text messages from me. And hopefully we're talking about the 6-1 and 49ers. 100%, 100%. And I don't know which Vikings pass rusher I was referring to now that I'm looking at their depth <laughs> chart. Um, just let's talk about Daniil Hunter for that one and leave it. Rob, hey. I can't wait for the game. Um, obviously, you you won't be cheering as you're not a fan, so you might you might be doing something else. I will be cheering hard, nice. um, but I can't wait to see what happens, and hopefully we're coming back here next Monday with two 49ers victories to talk Hell about. Hell yes. Amen, everybody. We'll see you tonight.